Hi, and welcome to Habits for Humans, the podcast that explores what makes people tick and how to program this brain of ours to do what we want it to do. We're going to explore why we can sometimes and in some areas of our lives achieve extraordinary accomplishments, and at other times of our lives, we're addicted to TikTok and crossword puzzles. Uh, If you want to be healthy and happy, what is the secret to programming our brain to maximize our potential? I'm your host, Kim Flynn, and today we're going to talk to Benjamin Brown. I've been super excited about this topic, uh, and it is, can I lose weight while drinking alcohol? (laughs) I have a personal connection to this topic, and I'm like, damn it, I don't want to stop drinking. I'm not like a, you know, lush, but... I, I like my uh, I like my you know whiskey at night my smoked whiskey at night mm. <laughs> and so Benjamin is going to talk to us about how I can still hopefully I'm hoping he talks about how I can still have a glass of smoked whiskey at night or not let's see we'll see we'll see what happens so we've got free stuff for our listeners at the end if you like free stuff stay tuned I know Ben has a really cool giveaway for us and our sponsor card salad has a giveaway for us as well so we're going to get started with a word from our sponsor habits for humans is brought to you by card salad a health and wellness company that teaches you how to program your brain using systems and habits Uh, So you know how everyone wants to be healthy and uh, it takes so damn long to meal plan every day. So you end up eating freezer pizza and chicken nuggets. So what card salad is uh, did is create a product called eat. Well, it's a done for you meal planning system. It comes with a menu board that you hang on your fridge recipes that come in the mail and your recipes gradually get healthier and healthier leading you into slowly but surely habits for eating better. All your meal planning is done for you. So stay tuned to the end of this podcast for a free week of meal planning delivered to your inbox. So welcome, Ben. And uh, let me read the read Ben's bio here. Ben Brown is the owner of BSL Nutrition. What does BSL stand for, Ben? I have to know. BSL stands for Body Systems Labs. Oh, that's cool. Sounds very technical. I like that. Mm-hmm. BSL Nutrition, an online nutrition and fitness consulting business specializing in designing individualized nutrition, lifestyle, and strength training programs. Ben currently works with both local and long-distance individuals and businesses and has worked and consulted with numerous sports teams, including the Arizona Diamondbacks and Golden State Warriors organizations. That's very cool. He holds two master's degrees, the first from Arizona State in exercise and wellness with an emphasis in, emphasis in strength and in conditioning and the second from the University of Bridgeport in clinical nutrition. That's really nice that you've got both the food and the exercise portion. Um, a lot of people only have one, and so that gives you kind of a, a more broad perspective. I like that. Most importantly, Ben is a husband and father to three young children who provide the daily love, motivation, and humility. Yes, that's what parenting brings. Humility <laughs> he uses as a driving force to continue to learn and grow as a man, mentor, and coach. That's a very well-stated paragraph. I appreciate that. So we always start with our number one habit to manage our own mental wellness. Ben, what is the practice you do to manage the stress of daily life? I exercise. Uh, for me, <laughs> <Shocking>. <laughs> for me, that's paramount uh, to the degree that there's many times during a given week when uh, my wife and I are speaking and she says, you know what? Have you exercised yet today? I'm like, no, I haven't. She said, you need to go work out it's for like everyone, for everyone's sanity. It's, it's like an insult around the house. Did you exercise today? It's, <laughs> it's like, like you're, being a, you're, you're being you're a you-know-what. Go work out because everyone's <laughs> awesome. better for it. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait to dive into our topic, so I'm just going to take us there right now. Please. Can I have my smoked whiskey in the evenings or not? What are we talking here? Well, I, I guess we're talking about what are your goals, right? So 
you know, we can accomplish a number of things, whether alcohol is involved or not. And, and I guess the question becomes, what is it that you're trying to accomplish and how does alcohol fit in the formula or does it? Well, that's not fair. Then I have to, you know, think for myself. I want a prescribed plan of yes, you can or no, you can't. Yeah. Isn't that surprising? Like that really is uh, what I am looking for. And it's not what I should be looking for. I love that you said that it's not a yes or no. It's what are your goals? I think that's the case, right? The case with anything related to nutrition is always if, if you're speaking with someone who has some experience or knows what they're doing, usually the answer is it depends, right? It depends on so many different variables. And unfortunately, when it comes to alcoholists, it's really hard to just approach it from a binary standpoint. It's either yes or no or black or white, all in or all out. And, and frankly, I don't think that it's fair for people to approach it that way as in many situations, there's nothing necessarily wrong with alcohol. But of course, we have to take into consideration the fact that, well, one, alcohol is in fact calories. Calories do in fact matter for a lot of people, especially if we, especially if we have weight loss or body composition goals. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is just what we are, our behaviors based on how much alcohol we've consumed. Because for many people, alcohol can lead to eating a lot more calories of foods that are, are higher you know, in calories, so more calorically dense foods, more carbs, more fats. Um, and then the other thing is how it influences uh, our body, right, in a number of ways, how it influences our energy, our sleep, our hunger, our cravings, our mood. Uh, and so on and so forth. So that's really something that becomes quite nuanced. I, I have to go back because I think that's so important. Uh, the whole idea in the fitness world tends to be uh, extremes. It tends to be either all or nothing, either complete abstinence or um, or go crazy, right? Uh, I even think about all of my friends. Uh, you get a group of women together and they're going to be talking about what restrictions they're on. You know, I, I don't do alcohol. I don't do bread. I don't do gluten. I don't do food half the time, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Will you talk to us more about that, the, the binary black and white thinking? Well, I, I it's unfortunately, it's what's appealing and what's sexy in our short attention span day of life, you know, existing world. It's like when we're scrolling social media, something needs, it needs to have headlines. So we need to go all carnivore. We need to completely eliminate carbohydrates. We need to hundred percent eliminate alcohol, eliminate sugar, eliminate gluten, eliminate dairy. It's like, there's so many, um, there's so many things that we're told that we need to do in order to be successful when in reality, the underlying driver of success is just consistency. So you can really do anything that you want to do with respect to managing your calories. Because Kim, the only thing that these quote unquote diets are doing at the end of the day is they're helping us manage our calories, right? So when we talk about going gluten-free, when we, and yes, there's some um, gut issues related to that. But generally speaking, a lot of these fad-based diets, if we're talking keto or, or gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever, a lot of these things are really related to just helping people create a system to help them manage their calories, right? And so if you can be consistent with managing your calories, you're going to be successful, which isn't sexy. It's not appealing to be like, oh, we'll just, you know, um, just <laughs> eat less daily. Less. Right. It's like, oh, well, that's too easy. I don't want to do that. I want to like completely restrict something because that feels like it's going to be much easier. And then I can white knuckle it and use willpower and determination. But obviously that only lasts for a, a short period of time for most people. 
What would you say to all the people, and there is a large crowd of these people, um, that the second you say, do you know what, keto really is just a fad diet, or uh, gluten really probably isn't a thing, or, or, or it doesn't need to be as extreme unless you do have celiac disease. What do, you, what do you say to all the people who are instantly triggered? It's almost like there's religions. There's, there's lots mm. and lots of religions of food, and uh, everyone is so committed to their religion of food. What do you say to them when you're essentially saying all you're doing is restricting, restricting calories? I, I would say I have, I mean, look, if you're, if you're doing something and you're getting great results and you feel good, more power to you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I would strongly encourage that if you feel aligned with a certain way of eating, then you should do that, but don't do it uh, in the face of not making progress is like you said, we're so emotionally ingrained to a certain way of eating. It becomes our identity. And the reality is the human body is very adaptable um, and it's ever-changing and it's very nuanced to the degree that there's going to be a period of time where it stops working for you. And so for a lot of people, that initial surge of, okay, I'm doing something, I feel great, it's working for me, now I'm totally aligned with it, um, is awesome until it stops working and then you know they're kind of floundering for what to do next, having a hard time identifying that is it reasonable to assume that whatever you're doing isn't working for you anymore, in which case... Would it be fair to assume that you could start doing something else instead? And I think it's hard to ask those questions and to be open to the fact that, you know, there's a number of things that could work. I, lo I love this. I'm writing all, all, all kinds of notes here. Um, I think what ends up happening, and I'll share my story, diet after diet after diet after diet, of course, and you try keto and it really works and you drop 30 pounds and you're like, I yeah. look amazing. And then you're like, okay, keto is my answer. I am now, here's my dog here too. I am, I am now in the keto religion and keto is the way to go for the rest of my life. Right. And then it's not sustainable. Of course, you're mm. going to have a donut or five or 12, you know, or a whiskey. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. Or, or a smoked whiskey. It has to be smoked, smoked whiskey. And then you're like, oh, no more keto for me. And then you fall off the wagon. And when I say you, I mean me. And then I fall off the wagon. I'm just doing my confession here. Fall off the wagon. And then you try it again. And just like you said, it no longer works. And then you're like, oh, it must not be the diet because it worked before. It must be me. I am not disciplined enough. I am not blank enough. And then you turn all that uh, criticism towards yourself. Right. And, and that's where it's necessary to identify what was it about your way of eating that was actually driving progress? Was it in fact the fact that it was predominantly fat and very minimal carbs? Is it the fact that the carbs are evil in general? No, <laughs> it's the fact that um, you were managing your calories more efficiently. By virtue of going keto, you likely were excluding a lot of the foods that contributed to an increase in calories for you for a period of time. It's not the fact that you're not disciplined. It's not the fact that you don't have willpower. It's not the fact that your metabolism is broken, right? It's the fact that you were doing something that wasn't sustainable. That's fine. That's a beautiful learning opportunity. I myself have been down this road through a number of different, uh, you know, eating methodologies. I grew up with terrible gut issues and the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was in a number of different medications, you know, antacid medications. And that's what got me into fitness and nutrition was having to basically figure out how to heal my own digestive issues. By virtue of that, I would, there was a period of my life where I was 100% religious, gluten-free, dairy-free. Like I had to be 
because it was part of my gut healing process. And then I became very dogmatic about it in, in working with clients. It's like, no, this is the way, right? This is what you have to do. And I realized very quickly that that's not how people respond. When we approach something from a, 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 a spectrum of resistance, um, of, of kind of finite guidelines, the human psychology is very adverse to that and says, mm -hmm. if you tell me not to eat you know, bread, well, it's all I want to eat. You tell me not to eat cake. You tell me not to drink alcohol. The human brain's like, that's all I want. That's all I want. You tell me not to have it. And so what happens is we can restrict it for a certain period of time. We can white knuckle it for a certain period of time. But invariably for the average person, there's going to be a period where you're just going to say, screw it. And you know what? That didn't work for me. And now I'm either, I, because I'm not all in, I'm all out. Because it, because why bother, right? Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm hearing an undercurrent of just freedom in general. As humans, we are designed to not be given tight restrictions of you cannot do this and you must do this or else we naturally want to rebel against that. So if if giving someone a prescriptive, this is what you must do, this is what you mu must not do, um, will lead to rebellion, What what is the answer then? Well, you know, the answer is is to change our belief system around what it means to be healthy and and remove ourselves from this dogmatic approach to saying, can I have alcohol or can, should I completely avoid it? Instead is to say, take responsibility and create awareness around your decisions and then observe how it actually impacts you. Uh, in, instead of having someone arbitrarily tell you you can or can't have it or reading some book or some doctor on TV says you can't have sugar because sugar raises insulin and insulin causes fat storage all of a sudden sugar's the devil well instead maybe identify with the fact that when is it that you eat sugar why do you eat sugar how does it make you feel what are the behaviors associated with it is there something that you're trying to mask how is it contributing to your success or otherwise and then you can make some informed decisions around okay, if I'm going to have it, here's the things that I want to have because it's worthwhile for me in the situations where I want to have it, very similar to alcohol. Like there's a lot of, um, you know, I was, I was speaking to um, a client the other day and we were talking about alcohol and I said, for me, it's something that I, I do include and, but I've made it a point over the last few years to, to really try and include it in situations where um, there's more emotional connection to it where I can savor it a little bit more. For instance, with my dad, my dad and I don't have a great relationship, but when we do communicate, it's usually, and it's kind of unfortunate that this is the case, but it's, it's usually under the circumstances of we're enjoying uh, a Japanese whiskey or a good tequila or a cigar or something like that, where even just sitting in each other's presence in and of itself feels like it's an opportunity to connect doesn't give me the excuse to drink alcohol, but it's saying, hey, under this situation, it's well worth it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. I love this. I'm taking notes like crazy. Um, you talked about we need to change our belief system and not treat the food that we eat like, like a religion, essentially, right? Like these are my yeses and these are my noes. Um, and I love that you said we need to take responsibility for ourselves, not look to someone else to say, Benjamin, should I drink alcohol? Or even worse, I think I even asked you, 
can I drink alcohol? Right. <laughs> As if you are like this, you know, ruler of fitness that tells me what I can or cannot do. Isn't that interesting? I think of myself as a somewhat self-aware person. And even in this space, I'm like, yeah. Benjamin, please, can I, will you let yeah. me have that? It's I have crazy. permission to do this. And which is, which is kind of, it really speaks to our industry and mm-hmm. the disarray that we're in as far as just as as much information that's out there, it's really we we just don't have a lot of tangible application in terms of helping people identify what works for them and giving them mm-hmm. permission to be uh, autonomous and empowered to make their own decisions. And that's where when it comes to alcohol, Kim, it's really like, look, at the end of the day, identify with, you know, what it is that you actually want. And mm-hmm. it's saying most you know, fundamentally speaking, alcohol is calories and it can contribute to your caloric intake. Now, if you're in a position where you're saying, I don't love the way that I look, I don't love the way that I feel. Um, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to get my clothes to fit better. I want to sleep better, whatever. Then you might decide that, you know, perhaps cal- uh, perhaps alcohol may not be the best fit for me right now. Or if it's something where it's like a couple drinks a week um, with friends, again, in a social situation, Maybe it's a non-issue. I, mm-hmm. I guess the, it begs the question is when you're using it, how you're using it, why you're using it. Again, is I think a lot of people use it as a stress reliever, as as a permission to unwind at the end of a long day, at the end of a long week, to sit down. It's sort of the opportunity to just let things go. Whether mm-hmm. that's good or bad is up for you to decide, but... How do those behaviors impact the rest of your life? I love that. You said something earlier. Uh, you said it's it's your responsibility to take responsibility for yourself, for your own for your own actions uh, and your own habits, and also make yourself aware by observing. So if I did observe, uh, I, I love having a glass of whiskey with hubby at night. That's like our talk and connect time around the table. I wouldn't want to take that away. I don't even right. I don't care if I would permanently be five pounds heavier. Because of that whiskey, I love that time and that ritual yeah. that we kind of have, you know. But what I don't need is when I'm watching TV up in my bedroom, and we have this is embarrassing. We have a mini fridge in our <laughs> in our bedroom, <laughs> and I take out the beer just because it's something to do while I'm watching TV. That just makes me feel bloated. I don't enjoy that. And so if I check in with myself, it's um, it's observing what is working and what's not working for me. You said I, I appreciate it. that. Yeah. You said it. You hit the nail on the head. Are you checking in with your behaviors? Is this simply a habitual action that you're caught in? You know, this sort of vicious cycle of end of a long day, I get home as a means to distract myself perhaps from having to deal with all of the things that come with removing yourself from the work environment. I, I work with a lot of guys and, you know, um, uh, working uh, females as well, but situation where it's the end of the day, whether you're wrapping up in your home office or you're getting home from work, you get home and then it's like the kids and the dog and the significant other and the responsibilities. And it's sort of like, okay, alcohol is oftentimes used as a buffer, mm-hmm. right? As a distraction mechanism, as a tool to almost drown out the noise, which in, in many cases is the conversation around, is that something that is serving you well? or otherwise, right? Irrespective of whatever your body composition goals are. I think 
in, in many cases, mentally, emotionally, we're using it as a crutch. And then similarly, Kim is like, okay, if we're drinking alcohol at night, is simply being aware of how it is impacting or if it's impacting our recovery, our sleep, our quality of sleep, because um, we know very clearly that alcohol is going to, for most people, is going to affect your quality of sleep. It's going to mm-hmm. affect your blood sugar levels. And so we can get, get caught in a vicious cycle of drinking. So, so right, we drink alcohol at night to help us wind down, right, to help us calm. A lot of people say, I need a glass of wine to help me wind down, to help me go to sleep. But the reality is, despite the fact that you think it's calming you down, it's actually setting your blood sugar levels up for a vicious cascade. Um, so likely you could be waking up in the middle of the night with low blood sugar levels. That's going to contribute to poor quality sleep. So you're waking up not as rested, which means you're going to have higher amounts of cravings. You're going to have poor blood sugar regulation throughout the day. Um, and so you're going to be less productive. You're not going to be able to think as clearly. And simply acknowledging, okay, despite the fact that it's some extra calories, is it impacting all of the rest of the stuff that's going on? I love that. Uh, I talked to a guest a couple of weeks ago that talked about, um, uh, and you even said the word lab, the, the word lab is in your, in your uh, business name, right? Like treating yourself like a science experiment and saying, what does happen? Like re- really paying attention to when I drink at night, how is my sleep? How is my brain the next day? Am I still sharp? or not so much, you know, right. <laughs> and, and really paying attention to yourself. So I love that. Take responsibility, uh, observe and uh, check in with your behaviors. Is it causing uh, mm-hmm. results that you don't want beyond just have I gained a few pounds? I love that. Let me ask you kind of a strange question here. Um, just some little spitfire questions here at the end. What do you think you should enjoy that you don't? Personally? Yeah. Uh, What do I think I should enjoy that I don't? Uh Honestly, I think I should. um, Well, that's a good question. I think as right now where I am in my life, in my business, I think I should be enjoying more. I I think I should make it a point to be enjoying more free time, like making Mm -hmm. it a point to experience more hobbies, like actually have a hobby beyond just working and working out. And, you know, obviously I enjoy spending time with my family, but I I think that I need another something else as well. Like I should be able to have fun somewhere else, but but I really just want to work. Yeah. I really just, yeah, you know what that's like. All right. Here's another one. What do you think you should believe that you don't, especially in the area of of fitness or nutrition? What do you, what do you think you should believe that you don't? Oh man, you're killing me with these. (laughs) What do I think I should believe that I don't? I mean, you know, I, I think that, I think we want to believe that there's kind of this one size fits all approach to mm-hmm. exercise and nutrition and fitness. And I just, it's just not, not what I've observed. I love that. So even if you read a study that says this is how to be healthy, you're like, mm, I think it's an individual choice and individual process. I like that. Uh, last question. If you could have one message to tell the world, what would it be? I think our health determines our freedom. And, you know, it goes into, again, it goes into changing our belief system around what it means to be healthy. It goes into taking personal responsibility for doing what you need to do on a daily basis to ensure that you are the uh, best vehicle of change, whether it's for yourself, for your community, for your family. Uh, We're in a situation, Kim, where people are not healthy 
And we have to take responsibility for that. It's, it's up to us to create change moving forward. No one else is going to do this for us. It's very clear with, with the, just the foods that we consume, with the alcohol we consume, with our life sedentary lifestyle. Um, no one is proactively pushing health and fitness on us. It's up to us to be very proactive about it, which is that much of a challenge in this day and age. I love it. Well said. Our health determines our freedom. Well said. Um, so I know you have a freebie you want to give away to everyone, the Fat Loss Fix Guide. Will you talk about that? Yeah, our Fat Loss Fix Guide, it's um, just a, a short, very user-friendly guide uh, giving you kind of no-nonsense guidelines, exactly as the name implies, no-nonsense no guidelines as to kind of how to build out your day in a realistic way that isn't revolving around um, restrictive dieting mentality, the best time to be eating relative to your workouts, um, some specific nutrients that you want to make sure that you're including that are going to help you optimize your energy and your brain function. And um, yeah, so it's a quick, and I believe in there we've got actually my favorite uh, super shake recipe as well. That's super easy to whip up for people that are busy on the go. That's going to be very nutrient dense and help provide them with great all day energy. Okay, I gotta hear about the super shake though. What are some, some what are some of the ingredients in the super shake? Are we talking uh, kale? Are we talking blueberries? <laughs> no, kale's not a kale is not a food. Kale is a garnish. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's a quote from the show. Kale is not a food, it's a garnish. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So anyone who tells you otherwise is full of it. Um, <laughs> that's my opinion, basically. Uh, no, you know what what's really important is when we are consuming our meals, it's important to get enough protein uh, because protein is the main driver of, of facilitating satiety, energy, uh, and helping us manage our hunger throughout the day. And, and especially when we're talking about like that first meal of the day, Kim, where I think a lot of people go to sort of like a cereal, a juice, a fruit, a, a pastry or something like that, or nothing at all and just coffee. Um, we really need to set a stable foundation and that's where making sure we're consuming enough protein and a smoothie or shake is a great way to do that. Making sure you're throwing in some protein powder, some, uh, you can throw in some dehydrated fruits and vegetables. You can throw in some frozen fruit, some almond milk, some coconut milk, uh, something like that. Uh, a little bit of healthy fat from avocado or peanut butter or, um, you know, something like that, that is going to be a good quality meal, basically easy to drink on the go. It's going to give you great energy throughout the rest of the day. I love it. Several things I just learned. I learned that kale is a garnish, not a food. That's hilarious. <laughs> I've never heard that before. And also, I've never heard that word pronounced before. Uh, sati satiety, is that how you said it? Yeah, I've always yeah. said it in my head, like satiety, like I'm satiated. It's, it's satiation, uh -huh. satiety, satiate. There's a lot of different... Uh, ways to, depending on how it's used right satiety satiety i'm going to start using that word and sound as smart as benjamin does there you go all right so as we wrap things up reminder that the goal of this podcast is to program your brain to start instilling systems and habits and good eating and what else did ben say let's see uh responsibility and awareness and uh checking in with yourself and permission to be autonomous all of that good stuff uh, into your daily life. It's not about what you know. It's about what you do, starting one very small step at a time. 
Giveaway from our sponsor, Card Salad. Go to habitsforhumans.com if you're not there already and sign up for a free seven-day Eat Real Foods Challenge. It's seven days of recipes, done-for-you shopping list. Meal planning is completely done for you for next week. So go ahead and download that and your meal planning is done for you. So next episode, we're going to continue to explore uh, from Dr. Mel, the most important habit to live a cancer-free life. And she's going to talk about knowing your levels of risk Uh, whether you're average risk or less risk or high risk. Uh, And so we're super excited to talk to Dr. Mill about that. Thanks for joining us to Benjamin Brown. And thanks to our listeners. This is Habits for Humans, the podcast that teaches you how to program your brain to maximize your potential. Thank you in advance also for giving us a positive review. Thanks, everyone.